Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. We will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. I'm Michael, and I am a grateful, abstaining, compulsive overeater. And I want to thank Jack for asking me to share at tonight's meeting. And I want to welcome Natalie, Chelsea, Kelly, Shane, Toby, Pam, and anyone else who may be new to Overeaters Anonymous. When I heard the phrase, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, welcome home, the first time I heard that, I really didn't understand the deep significance of what that welcoming meant. I had always had problems with food as far back as I can remember. I got up to 270 pounds by the time I was 18 years old. I came into the program when I was 22. And though I had certainly seen other people who were overweight, I never knew that people did the kinds of things that I did. And I never knew that people did the kinds, thought the way that I thought. That I thought about myself all the time, but I didn't think very much of myself. That I was constantly afraid. That I couldn't deal with life. And the only solution that I had for life was to find the oblivion of food. That once I started eating a particular food, it seemed like I couldn't stop. And I came into OA and heard other people talk the same language. They even put names to things that I didn't even understand. They talked about having a disease called compulsive overeating and that there was no human power that could um, stop it. Because every single time I tried, every single time I had willpower, every single time I made a commitment that today was going to be different, um, almost without exception, I failed. Uh, if you hear, mm, this may be OA blasphemy, forgive me, but if you hear somebody say that OA is a self-help program, that's not been my experience at all. OA is the exact opposite of a self-help program. In OA, I learned that of my own accord, I am powerless over food, and my life is unmanageable. Side note, I heard people talk about eating out of the garbage. I was like, I've never done that. But then I was like, oh, I guess every time I cleared somebody else's plate once they were done, and their plates, like, went to the kitchen to be scraped off and thrown into the garbage, uh... I was just the mediator <laughs> between that and the garbage. I also have been the person that has thrown out food, thrown it in the dumpster downstairs, and two hours later gone out and fished it out. The disease is very strong in me. But when I came into OA, I didn't really know those things. I heard welcome home, but it wasn't until I was around the rooms a little while 
that I realized that I really was within a group of people who really spoke my language. Now, some of the language I heard I wasn't too crazy about, like the G-O-D word, uh, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute. But um, I came into OA when I was 22 years old. And um, I guess I came into OA expecting that I could learn how to manage my food. Actually, I was hoping that OA would show me how I could continue to eat exactly how I was eating and not have to suffer any of the uh, consequences. I was at a meeting earlier this week, and uh, thank you, Mary Pat, uh, you read, if you have decided you want what we have, keyword being have, if you've decided you want what we have, so I was like, well, what do we have? I was thinking this week, what do we have? And I remembered in the literature it says, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent upon the maintenance of our spiritual condition. My favorite word there is reprieve. If you look up the word reprieve, it says something like the postponement of a punishment, usually a death sentence. So what OA offers me is the postponement of a death sentence. I don't know about anybody else, but when today I say I'm a grateful compulsive overeater, the fact that I got up to 270 pounds, the fact that I was a kind of compulsive overeater who dug food out of the garbage, the fact that I was the kind of compulsive overeater who drove in my car in the fast lane and wondered what it would be like if I just turned the wheel I, I kind of didn't want to die, but I certainly was waiting for it to be over. I just found life so overwhelming that the only reprieve that I knew of was to eat. And since I had the disease of compulsive overeating, once I started eating, I couldn't stop. So I came into OA and I heard two things. Hope and identification. I hope you hear that tonight because my experience is for an OA meeting to be successful, both those things need to happen. I need to hear identification so I know that, oh, gosh, I'm that way too. And then second, I need to hear hope that there is a solution, that there is a spiritual way of life that can give me a daily reprieve from this death sentence. Anyways, I wasn't interested in any of the spiritual aspects of the program. I came in. I was like, oh, I know this. It's uh, you get on a diet. You you share at a meeting. They say, if, are there any other compulsive overeaters here? You raise your hand and say, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm a compulsive overeater. The steps, yeah, no, don't want to do that. The G-O-D, yeah, no, don't want to do that. The sponsorship, oh, no, 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 no. Number one, too afraid to ask. Number two, too prideful to ask. 
somewhere along the line for me, I realized, Michael, you're just going to have to figure this out all on your own. So thank goodness I learned in OA that it's not something to figure out all on my own. That actually that is a liability for me to think that I can figure this out on my own. Anyways, I didn't do the OA program. I did the Michael program, which was pretty much the one I explained. And my experience was that after 46 days in the program, oh, my God, welcome home. Oh, my God, I relate. Oh, my God, there's hope. Yeah, I binged my brains out on day 46. And side note, I went out and started with one of something. Um, one little baked good. And I had one of the worst binges I could ever remember, inside or outside of Overeaters Anonymous. Thank goodness that experience, as it says in the literature, kicked me up the stairs, not down. At that point, I started to become willing to go to any lengths to keep the gift of abstinence. OA blasphemy number two. I've heard so many people over the last 35 years. I'll be celebrating 35 years of abstinence on June 5th and 110-pound uh, weight loss. Woo-woo. Thank you, G-O-D. We'll talk about uh, G-O-D in a sec. Um, oh, my goodness. I lost my train of thought. Uh, okay. Hmm. Blasphemy number two. Blasphemy number two. Thank you, Stacy. The door to success is, yeah, okay. Um, I've heard so many people over the last 35 years say, I can't get abstinent. Not my experience. My experience is every single OA meeting I attend, I am given the gift of abstinence. It is handed to me in my hand. Right now, even if you binged before the meeting, you have 18 minutes of abstinence. I thought abstinence had to begin Monday morning. I thought abstinence had to begin Saturday morning. My abstinence begins the moment my last binge ends. And so I was taught, Michael, you don't have to go looking for abstinence. You don't have to go finding abstinence. It's given to you. It really is a gift. The challenge is to learn how to keep it, to learn how to elevate abstinence as the most important thing in your life. And believe me, side note, don't know what your experience is. I thought I didn't have the capacity for faith. When I heard about the GOD, I was like, oh, my goodness. Not only do I not think I believe that way, I don't even know if I have the capacity to believe. And after reading a wonderful chapter in the big book called We Agnostics, didn't want to read it, it talked about many of us had put faith in many things all our lives. For me, I put faith in food. I put faith in money. I put faith in a woman. I put faith in a man. 
I put faith in a career. I put faith in applause. I put faith in many, many things. So I had always put faith in things. Just none of them solved my problem of compulsive overeating or my total inability to deal with life. So when the idea was suggested that I put faith in a power greater than myself, I realized that I did have the capacity for faith. And it was at 90 days of abstinence when I was holding on to my abstinence for dear life because I knew it was important that I became willing to go to any lengths to keep it. What does any lengths mean? I don't know why this was said, but I sat across the sofa from the man who eventually became my sponsor, and I said, what does any lengths mean? And he said, if I asked you to stand naked on a fire hydrant and pass out flyers about Overeaters Anonymous, would you do it? And as ridiculous as that request sounds, on that given night, with 90 days of abstinence and wanting to keep it more than anything else in my life, I said, it wouldn't be pretty, but I'd be willing to do it. And it says in the literature that willingness is the key. And so this principle of willingness, if I share nothing else tonight, I think is the key to success in Overeaters Anonymous. I learned the difference between wanting to overeat and needing to overeat. Side note. If you're new, if you're newly abstinent, I wanted to eat for the first two years. I got up. I had my abstinent breakfast. I asked God to keep me clean, sober, and abstinent. I went to a meeting. But the disease of compulsive overeating was so strong, I, I wanted to eat. And that was a great motivator to help me work the steps uh, and ask for help from a G.O.D., Side note, thank you, Mary Pat. I've probably listened to how it works, goodness knows how many times. And every time at the end when it said God could and would if he were found, I was like, yeah, God could and would if he were found. I don't know if I'll be able to find God. And my sponsor said, Michael, it doesn't actually say that. I said, yeah, it does. God could and would if he were found. He said, it says actually God could and would if he were sought. I said, oh, well, What's the difference? He said, well, it's kind of like the needle in the haystack. You just have to go looking for it, Michael. You don't have to actually find it. It's in the seeking that you will find. And that I could do. I did my fourth step. I wrote down things that I and shared it with my sponsor and made amends that I thought I was going to go to my grave with. For me, many people talk about, um, well, for me, I had a little red wagon, and in my little red wagon was all my stuff, all my crap, and it was chained to my leg, and no matter how fast I ran, no matter how much perfume I put on, no matter how much in the mirror I looked from above, that little red wagon of all my, forgive me, shit stayed with me, and I thought it would be with me forever. Susan, is that 15 minutes? 15, yes. Um, and the literature says that the steps are to face and get rid of. I was like, what? Face and get rid of? 
And my experience is that I got to get rid of my red wagon with all my old stuff. I can tell you that um, life isn't always peaches and cream. It's easy to abstain when you get a new job, when you get a new boyfriend, when you get a new car, when the sun's out, when uh, people are telling you that you're fabulous. It's a lot more difficult to abstain when you lose your job, when there's a pandemic, when you have a car accident, uh, when your mother's sick. You know what? My experience has been that's when you really realize the power of the program of Overeaters Anonymous. When you really realize, Michael, that you have a program for living that works under all conditions. And there is no situation so bad that food won't make worse. <laughs> um, it took me 20 years before I started to develop a formal meditation, a daily meditation. I asked God for help, believe me. And I, uh, I started to become all of who I think Michael is. I love this story about asking Michelangelo, how did he know what the statue of David was supposed to look like? He said, I chipped away at everything that wasn't David, and what was left was David. And I absolutely think that that's what's happened with Overeaters Anonymous for me. It's been able to chip away. It's been able to get those things out of the red wagon as I've had this daily reprieve from this deadly death sentence to become the person I can be. And um, over the last 15 years, I've developed a morning ritual, a morning meeting with my higher power. And um, my program has really catapulted. Side note, there's a page that talks about the step that keeps us growing. I always thought the step that keeps us growing was step 10. No, the step that keeps me growing is step 11. Most of the other steps will keep us abstinent, and functioning, but it's step 11 that keeps us growing. And I know I'm at 18 minutes now, and I want to end with, that's what I've learned, and that's what I've learned in the past month, where I've been extremely challenged, and I've learned a great deal. And I want to continue to grow and learn and pass those lessons on to the next person. So I hope that I still can abstain uh, and get my daily reprieve until the day I die. That's why I keep abstaining, because I don't want to miss out on this great life. I'm so glad that person didn't die who was in the car and thought about turning the wheel, um, because he would have missed out on a really, really glorious uh, time being welcomed home with all of you. So thanks for listening. <laughs>